you need to have a have an appropriate governance in place. You have to use the right metrics to to scale. Yeah, you have to adopt an end-to-end thinking. This is very critical. Usually, talk about corporate innovation. You often don't think from the start of an idea up to an established business. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofian Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. I'm joined today by Dr. Ralph Orr, and he's uh, got a lot of experience in corporate innovation and is serving as a development consultant now for other companies. But he's got uh, very good senior management experience, uh, a number of positions at various international and Swiss companies in thin film, semiconductor, and uh, energy and transportation. And uh, he's, he's really looked at issues that companies have and has found one particular issue that uh, he's really focused on and, and done a lot, written a lot about and spoke a lot about. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul, and thanks for having me on your show. So I'm really looking forward to, to the discussion. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. And where are you talking to us from today? I'm uh, located in Switzerland here in the eastern part, so uh, it's close uh, to St. Gallen and Zurich. Um, so for those who, who know Switzerland, it's quite small, not comparable to, to the U.S., <laughs> but yeah. it's a nice area So yeah. uh, for skiing and for living, and uh, yeah, I oh, love beautiful. it. Beautiful. And, and how's the weather? Is, uh, is, do you have winter? Do you have snow? Yeah, we already have snow. Uh, for a couple of days now so we, we are very close to uh, our uh, house mountain so to speak it's called Pizzolzo and we also have a skiing resort and uh, they are glad to, to have snow quite early and they, they opened the lift and everything so uh, we, we are ready to go <laughs> fantastic yeah good good I'm talking to you from at the moment I'm in Colorado and we're at the other side of that we're really late with snow it's dry it's too warm I hope our season starts soon. So, well, uh, you know, again, again, Ralph, thanks for joining us. Um, how did you get involved in innovation? Tell us about your journey. Yeah, it was a quite interesting journey, as you already mentioned in the in the introduction. I, I was working for for several uh, companies, uh, in particular here in Switzerland, across diverse industries such as energy, thin films, semiconductors, uh, sensors. And uh, in different um, roles, such as product management and, and uh, corporate development, and later also corporate innovation. And I always came across this, this issue of, of innovating in a, in a corporate setting, yeah? in different contexts, of course. But um, I, I noticed that all of the companies were, were struggling with more or less the same issues. Meaning, yeah, on the one hand, um, driving their core business, um, let's say maintain their 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 day-to-day uh, operations, etc. But also in parallel, come coming up with uh, some some new stuff, new products, uh, services, even even business models, and that that's what they were struggling with. And I, I triggered by my own problems or issues, I started thinking about this this problem. And then uh, at some point, I think in 2013, I started uh, my own blog 
on, on, on innovation. It's called Integrative Innovation for those who would like to check it out. And I started writing about the concept of ambidexterity, which is well known and, and quite old academically, uh, basically. But um, I, I came across this idea and it sounded quite interesting to me and, and relevant for, the, for, the, for corporate innovation. And then I tried to expand it. And when I was writing all the blogs, I became a lot of feedback from, from companies and from corporate innovators telling me, well, it's exactly what we are facing too. So can we talk about it? Can we work together? And uh, well, in 2017, then I uh, decided to uh, become self-employed and, and really try to support companies uh, in what I call future-proof or modern corporate innovation. Yeah. That was, in a nutshell, my, my, uh, my journey up to now. Yeah, yeah. But it started with a blog, basically. So it was really an accelerator for me. <laughs> and, and you had, uh, it sounded like you had good participation on that blog, people writing back, people commenting on it. That uh, in 2013, that was, that was still, you know, somewhat early. I know people were doing it, but, uh, you know, innovation was still... You know, as far as a public discussion, still starting to mature a little bit. So that's, uh, I, I would say you were kind of early in that in a way. I, w I was early indeed, but it seems to have hit a nerve even back in 2013, uh, because at that time, when I came up with the idea of ambidexterity, which, as I said, is, is academically quite mature, people from, from the companies told me, well, we know that, but this doesn't work, you, you shouldn't care about it, right? Mm. And I said, well, just because it doesn't work, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't make sense. Maybe we have to think about how to, to properly implement, implement it in, in uh, companies. And that's basically was the starting point to move further. Uh, but yeah, I, I was ahead of the wave, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But, and I'm, I still am. I think you want to be ahead of the wave. <laughs> Don't be behind it. So that's not so bad. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what are the type of challenges? You mentioned there's, there's common challenges. Uh, what are some of those challenges that these companies have uh, when they try to do this, different types of innovation? Yeah, first of all, I mean, uh, to start with the basics, is briefly spoken, in ambidexterity, you, you distinguish between explore and exploit. You, 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 I think, think you are familiar with, it, with those terms. So exploit means... Well, you run your day-to-day -day business, your, your operations, and usually companies have already built up very uh, sophisticated management systems for, for these activities, right? And this is well known. So companies or all companies are good at, at, at these, these activities. On the other hand, if you try to explore coming up with new stuff, which goes kind of beyond the, 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 the core or day-to-day -day activities. So driving those, those initiatives uh, requires a completely different environment or, or management system. Yeah? We have to be much more iterative. Uh, we, we need different processes. We need different KPIs. We, we, we even need different mindsets at people to drive those new initiatives. So the main challenge basically is to, to manage both, both worlds in parallel, right? And so uh, because both worlds are not, not very compatible to each other. So, and, but you need to, 
to really really manage those those two rails and what it makes even more complicated or more challenging is those those systems or those environments are not just separated yeah so so mm. that you you can drive both independently from each other no they they at some point they intersect they overlap so for example if you want to scale new products or completely new business models at some point there is a transition from the explorer environment towards the exploit environment so they have to change the system basically the, those new initiatives which makes it even more complicated and we we call this phase scaling up and what we noticed is uh, that that this phase poses completely distinct uh, requirements yeah to to to, to corporate uh, innovation which are not covered by the pure exploit part nor by the pure explore part somewhere at the intersection and you have to bring the two worlds together so to speak and this is quite challenging yeah yeah i would think if if you you don't cross that bridge you find you can't cross it then you can't scale or if you cross it in a ineffective way you're compromising your your ability to scale is that is that is that kind of what goes behind it there yeah, it is. I mean, what, what we noticed, and uh, interestingly, you know, Steve Blank. Steve Blank is one of the <laughs> the most famous innovation thinkers, and they he wrote the foreword to Lead and Disrupt, the new book, book from or the second edition of of the book from Tushman and O'Reilly, so the the advocates of of ambidexterity, so to speak. And what he says is that um, scaling is actually the most critical part in becoming ambidextrous and so this uh, this was a was a hypothesis back in 2016 from us from us and um, basically what what you what you see is companies have built up their exploratory capabilities they have a lot of labs they have accelerators they have um, digital units whatever where they start new ideas and also validate them uh, with lean startup and uh, design thinking approaches etc which is which is all all well known but at some point when when they leave those units or spaces they do not fit uh, seamlessly into the core business so they are still too immature they are still too small they can still not be integrated in the in the huge core business with all their processes and regulations and compliance requirements and also the numbers yeah so there's not so much revenue and profit at that point so there's a still a gap and we need to bridge that gap and you can call it a valley of death <laughs> as it is often called yeah right. somewhere in between a, i don't know minimum viable product and a, a really established business but there is a gap to be closed and this is widely disregarded so far in corporate innovation mm -hmm. yeah they just assume ah don't worry we'll be able to handle it yeah so exactly. what what type of things do you uh, do you find companies need to do to get over that valley of death, across that valley. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's manifold. I have to say, but I think one uh, very critical requirement is um, for sure you have to have uh, uh, leadership support for that. Yeah, this is one necessary 
but maybe not sufficient condition, I would say. Uh, so, but meaning if you don't have it, it's it's very hard to um, grow really new things in a in a corporate corporate setting. So because um, there will uh, naturally um, tensions emerging between the the a new venture with its dedicated requirements and the the huge core business with its uh, dedicated requirements. And somebody has to, let's say, mitigate or, or resolve, resolve those tensions, which is a kind of a, a leadership task, first and foremost, on a, on, a, on a high level. But certainly there are also other mechanisms that, that need to be put in place to thrive on scaling up, which are you need to have, a, have an appropriate governance in place. You have to use the right metrics. To, to scale, yeah. you have to adopt an end-to-end -end thinking. This is very critical. Usually, talk about corporate innovation. You often don't think from the start of an idea up to an established business, right? So because the whole process needs to be covered. And uh, if you look, look at certain point activities like uh, labs or accelerators or something, they just cover a certain part often at the front end of this process but what happens later on so there's a then some some gap emerging and once you have a, have a gap you cannot let's say move the the innovation forward uh, up to a point where it's really a, a, an, an established business yeah so you really have to cover the the entire process from idea or from concept to an established business you know, to a mature business you know, if, if the leadership support is necessary and critical, uh, and I've, I've heard that as well, do these leaders, do they know what they need to do and how to do it? Or is that where we're, we're still, are we missionary selling to try to convince leadership that they need to do this? Or have they bought in, yeah, we know we need to do it, but we don't know how to do it? Where, where on that maturity curve do you, do you think we are at? That's a great question. I've been pondering as well for quite some time. I think, uh, I mean, all the CEOs are very smart people. They for sure understand the, the problem. They also understand the, let's say, basic concept of being ambidextrous. I think the, the, the more critical part is what does the implementing ambidexterity or really pursuing entirely new ventures entail? Because if you really start completely new things, you usually face a kind of a J curve. It's it's called. Yeah, you you won't reach profitability or, or revenue right away. You will have to overcome a kind of dip. Yeah, in, uh, and you have to sell. If you're if you're a public company, you are forced to sell this dip to your share or stakeholders and uh, I think this is a this is a very difficult part but because no shareholder would like to have a dip yeah and of, of their company they, they want to do to, to have it uh, be successful all the time right but this is simply not possible if you have to renew yourself on a, on a regular basis and that's I think a logic companies leaders and the company stakeholders have to understand so it's it just it's a it's a it's a basic lo logic so to speak yeah. what's more 
even if you if you do this, you will have a hard time to to communicate this, and uh, this is the basic issue, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Is there an example of a company that you've kind of would hold up and say, "Hey, that's a company that's doing it very well," or uh, even if you can't say the name, a type of company, or what would perfection look like if there is such a thing? Perfection, I I think um, well. The issues I, I'm working on, let's say the dual innovation, becoming a, a dual or ambidextrous company, and also this this uh, this middle part of scaling up, these are still very novel concepts, and only the let's say the pioneering companies have started thinking about that or even uh, adopting that. But what I know, for example, I'm in, I'm in close contact with with Bosch, the German corporate, and. What we see is that, uh, let's say, pretty mature in, in implementing those principles. And um, we have already planned to come up with, a, with some joint work to showcase how, let's say, Bosch uh, is, is going to approach this in their setup. And um, I think this, this will, be a, will be a good thing for, for other companies to see how they, they, they can implement things. Even though I wouldn't say they are, let's say, perfect, but they are very close to what I would call a company that, that has adopted dual innovation. Yeah, it's not the first time I've heard Bosch mentioned. And I think even publicly, they are pretty proud of, of the way they do their innovation. They're happy to share. They're not, they're not being secretive about it. And I think they are using it not only as a as a marketing engine but as a validation engine they're looking for partners it's it's a very very nice company and i'm i'm glad to hear you uh you served that up as a good example yeah yeah another another example which just uh came to my mind is bp the the oil and gas company yeah. um, we did a work together with them that emerged from from a peer group that we set up in 2017 uh, working on on the scaling up, what we call scaling up. So this exact middle part, and uh, we ran this this peer group for approximately two years, and then we published a book, uh, end of 2018, no, 17, I think, when I'm, when I'm right. And uh, well, then BP approached us, okay, and said, well, these are great findings, so let's implement them. Uh, internally at, at BP because we are facing a real not emergency but 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 a, but but a serious situation because our oil and gas business is breaking away and we have to renew it with with other renewable uh, energy activities so this is now a strategy and then we we concepted them for them the the BP launchpad it's a it's an internal venture builder or what they call scale up factory so it's a dedicated space for corporate scale-ups yeah, that aspire to bridge this gap or, or this transition between the, the exploratory environment and the, and, the, and the core business. Also, one, let's say, success story or, or best practice, I would say, for other companies to, to follow. Yeah. You mentioned a book was written. Was that an internal book for BP or was that a public book that people could go purchase and read? No, it's, uh, it's, it's available on, on Amazon, for example. It's, it's called, the title is Scaling Up from Innovation Concept to Business Impact. 
so we can uh, we can share it along with the with the recording if you like yeah we'll put it in the show notes definitely definitely i really uh, <laughs> suggest the readers reading it yeah so, yeah uh, sounds like a great a great reference and a lot of people may not know about it and uh, where do you think bp is at in terms of now this an english expression of, uh, came to my mind necessity is the mother of invention so nothing like having a real problem to make you move and it sounds like bp's had that and they're in that journey uh, how's that going there are they transitioning they are transitioning if um, i i've been following them closely their ceo looney that he does a pretty good job in in communicating uh, the strategy and their their developments and i think they are on the way to really renew themselves and um they had a had a crucial point and they had a they had a crucial sense of emergency i mean what i what i learned is that um in order to initiate or drive things in a in a corporate you have a certain window of opportunity if you are too early if there is no sense of urgency at all it's very very difficult to change things because people say oh why do we have to change things it's still okay we are our our uh, business is running well, uh, so no problem. There is there are no threats at the horizon. No need to change. Uh, on the other hand, if you are too late, if the if you are uh, if you will on a on a burning platform already, so corporates get in panic and they they are very short term driven, right? And so you cannot establish things like uh, venturing or innovation because this. This uh, has, a, has a certain lead time and a certain time to impact. So you, you really need to catch the right point in time or the right window of opportunity where there is enough sense of urgency, so the, meaning the, the corporate has realized it is under threat. They need to, to act. They need to prepare for some kind of disruption or renewal. And then you have, a let's say, a good ground to 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 build things upon yeah and uh, and yeah right also leaders are let's say um, willing to change things because they they immediately see the need and this was the case at, at bp so they have realized the situation and there was a willingness from the very top to change things and to back it with resources and and everything yeah you know a lot of us use systems for innovation we have our governance process we have our software solutions that implement it and we just do it we just do it the same way we've been doing it five ten years ago and i think your lesson here is be prepared to to shift in that and and have your systems be open and adaptable to change because when that has to happen if you just continue to think and act and operate in the same old way you're going to miss that opportunity and we as innovation workers can be, uh, we can prepare for that, I think. Even if the company's not ready to jump to it, we could be thinking about if, we, if our company does need to do that, uh, how can we help? How can we position ourselves for making that happen time comes? Is that a fair statement? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the key point. I mean, um, companies need to stay adaptable. They need to be aware that they have to, they renew themselves from time to time they need to to stay flexible on the other hand um, it's very 
difficult to change established systems because systems like like a, let's say operating systems for a, a core business it's built for a certain purpose yeah, to to do things in an optimal way so and uh, that's where let's say ambidexterity comes into play you all you have to you have to keep the core business system stable in order to let's say uh, to maintain the operations in an optimal way without failure with, with high effectiveness and high profitability etc on the other hand you need to make sure that there is some space or some opportunity to come up with new things which requires some kind of slack yeah for example and uh, which let's say comes along with failure because failure is is uh, let's say the other side of learning all right so you cannot just come up or start one venture and can be sure well this this venture this venture is going to succeed no you have to take in a portfolio approach and maybe nine from from ten ventures are, are are likely to fail so and you have to live with that if you want to come up with new things yeah and well, you could think of the systems that are supporting that you know okay if you have a erp system like sap you do have to do things always the same way, otherwise you have complete chaos, right? There's really rigor. Rigor is very important, but in an innovation system, you need to be able to adapt and, and move and shift and change and, and the way the system works and the way the people in the system works. And so our chairman used to have a, I remember he used to have a, a slide, a PowerPoint slide, and it, it showed two legs coming down. The feet were inside concrete blocks, as mm -hmm. the shoes were concrete blocks. <laughs> and he was making the point that you can't have that for innovation. Yeah, but that nails it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Well, Ralph, where do you, where do you see it, uh, things in five years? Do you think it's uh, uh, still an emerging concept? Do you think we'll, more, we'll be kind of moving through it? Uh, New challenges, what would you guess will be? What I'm currently seeing is that maybe one aspect, innovation increasingly turns toward uh, new business models. Yeah, so this is uh, usually companies deal with products, services, etc. But uh, also, let's say, triggered by the, by the, by the pandemic and the changed way of, of living and consuming and everything. I think companies need to rethink their business models. Yeah? So we see a change towards more, let's say, digital-driven business models, towards, let's say, e-commerce. So consumers would like to, to do things from their home, more in a digital way. And uh, I think companies have to adapt to this. Service-oriented business models is also a, a huge topic. This is one thing. So I think you know, innovation or the, the object of innovation is becoming more and more the business model, not the, not the product or the service. This is one trend I'm, I'm, I'm seeing. Other thing I'm anticipating for the next five years is that yeah, companies will become more dual <laughs> in the next five years yeah. yeah slightly but surely so i'm yeah. I'm, I'm sure so and th that's what i'm seeing that this this concept is, is gaining interest but companies are still struggling to implement it they are still are a little bit reluctant to start with those activities but they have realized that there is no other way uh, to become future proof than uh, becoming dual, yeah. 
to 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 really uh, let's say do the two things in parallel. Yeah, driving the business, but also make sure we can innovate uh, in parallel. But this is still some way to go, I would say. But in five years, we will be <laughs> much more mature in that way. I think you just summed up our our discussion very well uh, in that just that last bit about companies needing to be dual. Uh, they will get there. They'll have to get there. That was very well said. I appreciate that. Is there any final uh, thoughts you want to share with the audience, Ralph? This has been a wonderful discussion. You're, you're really enjoyable to listen to. I know you're out there and it, it comes across. Uh, you're sharing some, some really great insights and knowledge. I know you're working with companies to make it real. But is there any final thought before we, uh, we close our session today? Yeah, it was, was a great discussion, Paul. Um, just an invitation to all the listeners. So if you... If you feel appeal from from the ideas of uh, dual innovation and scaling up, and uh, just just visit me on LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm I'm frequently posting stuff uh, there on on those two topics. And if you would like to engage and have a discussion, just let me know. I'm I'm open for it, and uh, I really appreciate it. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll make sure we put your LinkedIn information in the in the show notes and, and some other things we've talked about and, and, and other links in there that, that would help the listeners find you and connect with you. So that was, that was really enjoyable, Ralph. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on your show, Paul. And to all the listeners, thank you for joining us. Hope you found this uh, as enjoyable as I did. It's, it's really fun to talk to uh, the leaders in innovation out there. And uh, Ralph Orr is certainly one of them. I wish you all a very good week ahead, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com. <laughs>